and a mouse keep running, running, and 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 running, running, Everybody, welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast. This is episode 398, and we have a couple books for you tonight. But before we get into that, let me remind you to go over to Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. Follow us, we'll follow you back. Go to our website, WeirdScienceMarvelComics.com. Go to our Instagram, Weird Science Comic, and then go to our Patreon, Patreon.com slash Weird Science, where you can help support us for everything that we do here on our regular feed and get a ton of podcasts in return. One of the big things that we do each and every week is a Patreon-only spotlight where we feature two books picked by the upper level of the Patreon, the badasses of the Get Fresh crew. And this past week, they ended up picking a number one, or is it? It's an alpha issue. It was the Spider-Man 2099 Exodus Alpha, a title that screwed everybody up, especially if you go to the comic book roundup and check out the reviews. Everybody calls that something different. I called it a bit of garbage, but that's just me. I mean, hey, that that is just me. And we also talked about Ben Riley, Spider-Man number four. So we talked a Spider-centric bit of books there on the spotlight you can go over right now and listen to those as well as a ton of other things one of the things i'll point out we end up having a crisis comic book crisis podcast we call it the comic book crisis power hour just to be kind of fun and this week we started out doing the jla avengers we did jla avengers number one the kurt busiak and george perez crossover a book and we do that each and every wednesday so for the next four weeks we'll be doing that one it's four issues so we do it once a week that makes math that is math people but yeah it's a pretty cool deal so if you want to hear that as well that's another thing that we are doing over there on the patreon but that's enough of that we're going to get into this here podcast i'm tired it's like 2 a.m Right now, and I'm doing this intro, and I am falling asleep, so we better get going to the regular show, me and Jason, talking about three books. We got the Avengers Forever, we have the Maestro, and then we make up for lost time last week, we have Thor, the big Thor 24 slash 750. So I hope everybody enjoys it, and away we go. And I'm here with Jason. What up, Jason? Hello, Jim. Here we are in our respective basements on a lovely spring day once again. Ah, yes. It's just lovely out, but with that, is it lovely in the multiverse? We'll have to find out. Uh, I know that you're kind of sick and tired of the multiverse, but... We've got a lot of the multiverse lately. Some of it's okay, but we get a lot of it. Yeah, Avengers Forever is going to be just that. As long as that goes on, tons of multiverse, so... I'm still shocked. Every time I look at this and see it's actually being marketed as an ongoing. It does not feel like an ongoing, Yeah, but no, and I mean... That's what they say. With that, I guess he's starting to slow burn some things with that, but we also end up having Maestro and... We're going to get to Thor, which we couldn't get to last week because we had issues, uh, technical, technical problems, right? So we had that, but we're going to start off with Avengers Forever 
number five. I, I'm telling, it does feel like forever to me. I, I don't know about you, but it seems like we've had a lot more issues than five because it gets tangled in with the regular Avengers book and all these other things. But it is by Jason Aaron, Jim Togoro effects, letters by VCs Corey Petit. This is the Doom of Dooms, and here's the recap. The Multiversal Masters of Evil, a group comprised of the deadliest villains of their respective universes, has been making their way through the multiverse, conquering countless worlds. The leader of the Multiversal Masters is a variant of Doctor Doom, clad in mystical armor, but his origins and endgame remain shrouded in secrecy. And one of the things that I'll say with this, I always go not by the review scores that are out there, but how many people review it. Nobody cares about this. There's two reviews. Not a lot of interest. There's three user reviews that it had seemed like this Avengers Forever book was going to be following Robbie Reyes and Deathlock, right? That's what we've seen so far. So this one was just all. This has nothing to do with Robbie Reyes. No Tony Stark, Ant Man. This is all about a deep dive on this Doom Supreme. We see where he comes from and kind of what makes him tick. Yeah, and so with that. I didn't like it as much. I end up, we are having pretty much a one shot to go. That's why I said, this seems like we're in slow burn territory mm-hmm. now where we're going to take a full issue, supposedly. And I saw even some of the reviews saying, or some of them, there's only two, but both reviews saying, okay, they kind of like this issue enough, but you're promised something about getting this doom, but you don't really find out that much. You find out that he's collecting Dooms mm-hmm. and yeah, I thought this was okay. It does not move the story forward at all, but taken as a, a one shot about this crazy version of Doom, I thought it. I thought it was an okay read. I, was I actually thought it was very similar to that Superior Four that we hated in the Devil's Reign, where it's the same idea, but one is told competently and the other one is not. I disagree. I, I think that this is bullcrap, and I'm sick of this Jason Aaron Avengers. I'm sick of this Avengers Forever. Nothing is going on. And in that, I'm trying to think of what the story is overall. I don't even have an idea. It, is this multiversal Masters of Evil going around and destroying things? In the meantime... They're going back to the, B- the, the BC Avengers version of all these worlds. Apparently, every world has a million years ago BC Avengers Go back and kill them right away so they can't grow up and cause yes, problems. Yes, they can't grow up. And so with that, and actually I, we, we know we learned, that. We actually learn in this issue kind of the motivations of some of the multiversal masters of evil. We see that some of them just want to take over worlds and they want to squabble over that. And we see what Doom wants. He doesn't care about the worlds. He, he just wants – he thinks the only person he can actually talk to is himself. So he's collecting all these other Dooms so he can talk to them and also make them his servants. I thought that was an okay little twist. Is it a twist? Are you surprised by it? A twist means you're surprised. When you find out that, oh, he's collecting Dooms because he thinks Dooms the greatest, and you didn't, it was no twist to me. I'm like, okay, that's fine and dandy. I could have had that in one panel, a whole issue of this. And like you said, his, his team, he says, are beneath them because they're going to just go and try to squabble. I, I want this world. I want that. I want to destroy this. Hey, you messed up there. We've had this. We've had this since the beginning. My whole thing, though, is the idea of who is the villain of the story and, and how we're working this because the multiversals of evil, okay, but there's also the Council of Red mm-hmm. Mephistos. Are they against each other? We ended up having them kind of deal with it. Right. We know they're, they're, they're working together, but they're not quite exactly on the same page. But I don't get the sense of an overall story except... We go around and destroy worlds and make sure that these multiversal worlds 
don't end up having Avengers later because we destroy the BC Avengers everywhere we go. And I just don't get what they're trying to do with all of that except just destroy or take over the multiverse. There isn't anything that interests me from that. And like I said, I don't think that that many people are interested overall. The book isn't selling that well either. And I just think that you need to lay down a a story here, not just go, oh, by the way, Doom doesn't like to talk to anybody else. So he talks to himself, but really they don't talk back because he makes them cut up their tongues. And I just think the idea, I think the clever player is just that Jason Aaron wants to have instead of doom bots, mm-hmm. you know, doom Supreme gets actual dooms. And I just don't, by the end, I end up like, okay, that, that's fine. But what is the overall story? What is the MO with that? Especially because doom seems to think he's above all this and doesn't really care about going around and grabbing worlds. He just wants dooms. And that even involves, you know, some sort of time travel while they're on the worlds and go and grab wonky things with that. Because this man thing, Doom, Doom thing, he ended up having to grab out of time because he says you wouldn't have have evolved. Right, because they go to this planet of the man things, Earth-91. Again, another, Jason Aaron loves these mashups. So so we get man thing versions of Iron Fist and Phoenix and Doctor Strange and... Star... Starbrand. Starbrand, right. So, I mean, again, fun to see drawn. Yeah, all you have is man things with the symbols. <laughs> yeah. There, I'm like, all right. <laughs> and it, it, again, that does look pretty cool. I, I think man, man thing Doctor Strange looks funny. I liked him. Making the weird little hand gestures. Yeah, yeah. And so they get defeated easily. We've seen this. We've seen this multiple times. You see that, you know, the multiversal, you know, society of evil, they're there, they're, they're the masters of evil. Where, again, they bicker, that is maybe the hint, hint of, yeah, we're going to be, they'll be able to be taken down eventually because they're not really a team. Not a lot of unit cohesion. Yeah, if you end up taking down the Ghost Goblin, I don't know the Black Skull's going to care. He's going to laugh and run away. And even having the Black Skull there, and they do kind of hint, well, you couldn't even hold those. Yeah, we kind of saw that. I want more of Robbie Reyes and the Avengers team mm-hmm. finding out, you know, eventually we'll get the Avengers Prime and things like that. But I don't want this lot. Like, he's already shown that it, this slow burn nonsense in the regular Avengers book, this seems like you said, this seems more like an event than a book. It feels more like a limited series than an ongoing, but he's right. treating it as a long, long burn type of slow burn Regular, I don't think that this story is something you need to have drug on like that. You need to have it feel big. And it did at first. I said I really liked it at one point more than his Avengers run. Now it just seems like it's back to the same deal. Jason Aaron presents type deal. At least the stuff is within the universe. But yeah, you end up going with this like, oh, my man thing world. Oh, what's going to happen there? Oh, he just grabs doom thing. And ties him up and starts saying, you know, hey, I'm going to make you look at my scars. I'm going to make you look at my face. You have that beginning there. And he does. I I love that beginning, too, just as an aside. I swear to God, the way I read that, that first page is, I'm going to show you my face. I'm I'm telling you, I'm going to show you my face. I'm (laughs) Mm -hmm. going to show you my face. 
don't don't try to look away. I'm going to show you my face. He keeps saying, like, just show him the damn face. Just do it. And uh, let's get on with it. Because it is supposed to. It's going to drive you nuts. The space. He even, he even talks about how different versions of Doom have different face problems. There's even one of them out there who only has the one little scar but wears the mask. Which was a th- I, that was a version of Doctor Doom. I forget which writer had that as his version of Doctor Doom. That he, he didn't really have a bad face. No, but he's little, so vain little, that right, he exactly. can't even go with that. And I like that. Where yeah, that was in right. that though, where this like you, you kind of get mixed signals in my mind. Like I think you know he's grabbing all the dooms because yeah, the dooms of each world he would think are the pinnacle of everything. But then he's grabbing them to be subservient to him because he is the prime. He is the ultimate doom. But what is he getting there except a mute? army of doom like he says i need somebody to talk to they i'm talking back he's never going to be happy because he's dr doom and dr doom is always miserable no matter no matter what he wins or loses he's always miserable and that's just that's part of his character yeah i just don't know why we need to see that because we know that i'm like everything in this if like i said if they ended up having this as a regular issue robbie reyes tony stark they're heading off they're doing something and as an aside you go and say Meanwhile, Dr. Doom is Dr. Doom, and this prime Dr. Doom is even more miserable because he just ends up not trusting, liking, you know, respecting anybody. So he ends up getting all these dooms together to be his army. I think that was fine enough. It just this ends up being so extended where, okay, you're you're talking to me, you know, Doom thing. All right, we get it. You end up, it was a cool deal where. He ends up, they take the mask off, which at one point I, I didn't quite realize. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, he does have a mask. It just looked like the man thing, man. But he takes it off and he's on fire. That's me underneath, tries to attack mm-hmm. and gets taken down by what he thought were Doombots, but they're not. That seems to kind of make him pause. Like, oh, my God, like this is a little different. Like, you're crazy. But eventually he does end up being, you know, kind of, I, I don't know. He ends up being broken by the doom prime to then accept them it's almost like doom is waiting to find some other version of doom who he can't break right like he's testing them all he thinks they're all gonna break down but it almost seems like he's waiting to find that one other version of doom who could actually almost be his equal like some sort of a companion what would you do i'm telling you like we're going with doom what does doom do if he finds an equal he's gonna kill that doom immediately because he's never gonna trust it so what is the and Again, game Doom of that. can never be happy. He's, he keeps looking for something, but when he finds it, he's not going to be happy with it. That is what Doom Again, does. Again, that's what Doom does. So we're just seeing Doom Prime, the, the ultimate Doom, just do it even more. And I just didn't think we needed a full issue for it. I thought this uh, this one-page scene of – it looks like it's only Doom Supreme here at this world of the giant BC Avengers, where you get the giant Odin and the giant Phoenix – and he has giant doom there tied up to a giant X. And he's, you know, that's another doom he's testing out. And we actually, we have some narrate, we have two sets of narration boxes. When there's quotations in the narration boxes, it's Doom Supreme talking to us. And when there's no quotation marks, we find it all the way at the end, it's actually Doom the Living Planet. Eagle Living Planet version of Doom, which was, I thought that was an okay little something weird. It's okay. Like I said, when he goes, and it's, a, it's kind of a weird play because when he goes back, and they're stopping the BC Avengers in most of these worlds, if not all of them. Like, Doom isn't there. He has to then travel in time to snatch Doom out and then ends up saying, like we said before, 
I grabbed you out of time because you wouldn't have become you or whatever. And I'm like, I don't know that connection fully. I think you still could have a doom. And they even say, I would have figured it out. I would have ended up now. Is he then grabbing them so that they don't and I like become more powerful and rule the world because they would be like this huge thing. It's it's a weird play of the idea of not having the BC Avengers doesn't really deal much with if you would have a doom or not. It's the evolution of the it's weird. Like I mm-hmm. said, the time travel bit gets a little wonky. I do like when this doom thing ends up revealing himself and tries to fight and then they say, you know, nail him up to the the deal. Right a nail right through his head. Yeah, And then you get more like this ends up being like, hey, let me wax poetic about everything that I am and do just so that Jason Aaron can. It just feels like he's getting a little bit like, hey, I want to show you how cool I am and how smart I am. And here's what happens. And but you end up with the same deal. You end up with his love of his life and him using her skin. It even says, you know, like you did before in the regular deal. Mm -hmm. And then it just goes to how he realized the way that he could end up becoming the true self is killing himself. Right. Well, the reason is that so he made this armor and the way the reason the armor is powerful is because he made it out of a person he actually loved. The only person a doom has ever loved and he sacrificed her to make this armor and that's what makes it powerful. Yeah. And we've had that. Apparently. Yeah. Right. We've had that before. But apparently we find out here that that magic kind of wears off over time. You have to recharge it. So he has to find someone else he actually loves to sacrifice, and the only people those could possibly be are these other dooms. Yeah, it's him. So that's another reason. He's looking for these dooms. He's transforming them into his playthings, his servants, maybe looking for an equal, and also killing them off to recharge Yeah, them. Yeah, and, and when he ends up where you have this whole doom thing, say, I get it now. Don't look at me anymore. I'm yours. I'll end up right. bowing to you. He finally breaks you. down the doom I'll thing. I'll bow to you and, you know, please just go. And he says, okay, well, here's this knife. Cut off your tongue. <laughs> and I, I actually got the idea, like, even with the magical knife and things like that, like, that's a little bit of a power up as well, the tongue. But he ends up yeah. having them. You cut the tongue, clean up after yourself and get with these other guys, which then shows why, again, these other dooms that you end up having doom things thought were we're doomed by i'm surprised they're not like oh yeah you stop it like they don't have tongues i mean they, you can still try to talk i mean just go with it but they they know better they've been well trained i don't have a tongue and they just start yelling stuff but they're they're pretty silent I, i'm sure that he even goes it's like and then also you know castrate yourself and then while you're at it I, it just it ends yeah. up feeling like it's supposed to be this badass thing and i'm like all right whatever and he ends up Doing that, whatever you say, my lord. And then he ends up becoming part of that. But like you said, the main thing in my mind, because then even when he's going, you see these dooms just strung up there. I think the main thing here is that you need to have those dooms to power up your multiversal armor nonsense, thing like that. So that shows why and how. But in the whole scheme of things, I never thought anything of it. This dark, twisted, but kind of cool scene where we actually see Doom killing another Doom and talking about just how how beautiful it is and how transcendent it is to murder yourself in this way. And I thought that was effectively creepy. Yeah, I just think that this was Jason Aaron trying to be like, hey, get this. I'm going to write this and impress everyone. I just didn't get the idea that this connects that well. I mean, it connects, but it doesn't get the story going at all and then explains pretty much the one thing that we need to know 
That's how he powers up the armor. I never even thought once, how does he power up the armor? It's Doom It's Doom Supreme. It's completely I just side needed story. to just go. And then you have the big deal of, hey, there's Doom, the living planet. That's a wow moment. But again, mm-hmm. all right, all hail Doom above all. All hail the Doom of Dooms. There you go. You have the Doom of Dooms. It and- does make me wonder how Doom, the living planet, met Doom Supreme and how their, how their interaction went. Because... You know, the living planet Doom doesn't have his tongue cut out. He's not working for for Doom Supreme. So he knows about the Doom of Dooms. So I don't know what their relationship is. Yeah, it's weird because I actually thought that what you should have had here, I mean, I don't know the relation. I don't know if it's going to come up or whatever. I actually thought we'd get like a Doom Watcher, like an Uatu, but Doom Uh, Watcher, where he's telling the story by watching him. Yeah, this this is pretty close. I mean, the idea of us sitting here and like, well, does he have a tongue? <laughs> it's kind of goofy. <laughs> uh, but overall, again, when I have my you know preconceived notions of what drives me nuts with Jason Aaron, I, I ended up coming into this and I got excited. Oh my god, this is kind of mm-hmm. cool. I, I you know it's multiverse. We had this so many times before, but hey, let's go with it. This Robbie Reyes stuff seemed interesting enough. We're going with it. We actually have. A central character that we can get behind. We haven't had a lot of Robbie Reyes, so it's cool. And then you just kind of go away from him to just tell just side stories here to get you more in tune of how this Doom is. Doom's bad. We get it. He's the leader of these multiversal evil. I, I understand. I don't need to go nitpicking in of like, well, get this. And it just seemed like a weird aside for a story that really in my mind, I can't even fully say to you has really even started yet it's just a lot of multiversal wow moments thrown together and then off we go I- it's trying to time things along with the regular avengers book and i think that's it's keeping it from being a fast moving story because everything has to kind of be held back by the mm-hmm. other next issue we have on an alternate earth where wakanda has been crushed from existence and where the Black Panthers have forgotten legend, one man known as T'Challa will forge a new legacy for himself and perhaps even reignite hope for a planet caught in the grips of the god-slaughtering King Killmonger. That seems just, again, another just side, another one. side I, story. I don't need yeah. these. I need a full story. And Jason Aaron just never wants to give you that anymore. He just wants to string you along. I thought that this Avengers Forever was finally him like, oh, I'm inspired. Here, let me give you this awesome story. It's going to be balls to the wall action. Then you get this and nobody seems to be interested. I don't hear anybody talking about it. Nobody's reviewing it. It just kind of sits there every time. Not a lot of people buying it. It's not a, a huge seller either sells well enough. Mm-hmm. It's an Avengers book. And when this when this series started off, it had the Aaron Cooter art, which was amazing. He's still doing the covers. Now he's now it's uh Jim Toe, I think is yes. Jim Toe is the artist. It's okay. And it'll be Jim Toe again for number six, but then Aaron Cooter's coming back for issue seven. So we at least have that. Yeah, we have that. And the Jim Toe art is, is good. But it's not that like the Aaron Cooter art was a step you, above. Did you see? Pretty much everything. Is the number seven? Do we get back to Robbie Reyes and that stuff then? I I think so. I I didn't see the cover. I just saw Aaron Cooter posted on Twitter that he's coming back. I'm kind of guessing the idea of the side stories being Jim Toe, just so that it doesn't have the same art. So you know, it's just a side story. Then we get back probably. to the main deal is what it probably would be, but. This is just what it is. It's kind of in my mind, if you're going to be reading this and you are enjoying it, I would trade weight on this 100% because you just aren't getting enough each and every issue. 
Uh, does it say anything with that seven? Here's the here it goes. escape from the prison of Steve's. Steve Rogers is a mild-mannered 90-pound guy from New York who wakes up one morning in a prison cell. No idea how he got there. How Even dare weirder is that the guy in the cell next to him, oh, get this, Jim, is also named a Steve, Steve Rogers. Ro- oh, my goodness gracious. Why is there a secret prison filled with misfit Steves, none of whom have ever heard of a super soldier serum? So yeah, that's all about all about Steve Rogers. Steve's is Rogers. Is, is, this is. ends up now. It's it's pretty much the hey everybody, let's do a multiversal walkthrough. It's a walkabout with these yeah, characters and things. Like, Marvel just hits. They got they made a ton of money with the multiversal stuff in in Spider Man and in Spider Verse, and so the com people said, hey, we want to do that too. So. Now everything's multiversal. I mean, it's it's this trend has got a crest at some point. You know, every trend goes away eventually. I don't know how much longer we have for all this multiversal stuff, but I'm ready for the next one. <laughs> I, I'm looking at the that Steve Rogers cover. There is a Steve Rogers who looks like Hulk Hogan. Like oh, really? He's, like, He's got the, the mustache. Oh, brother, listen here when these pipes come down there, Nazis. He's just going to be yelling stuff like, <laughs> you get that stormtrooper, what's going to happen when these pythons come down on you? You got one with an axe. You got one who draws comics. There was there was there was, there was a, a, a Steve Rogers thing who drew comics already. We see one who kind of has a Doc Ock haircut, so that's cool. That's something. <laughs> the bowl cut Steve Rogers. That's cool. I mean, whatever. What would you give this one? Uh, again, I kind of enjoyed this one. I, I'm sick of uh, this multiversal mashup stuff, but putting that aside. I enjoyed this book. I think it looks good. I'm giving it an 8 out of 10. Jesus criminy. I'm giving it a 4. And uh, to oh, me, man. You're uh, there's no movie. story. I, uh, here's the deal. This is what it is. Hey, get this. I know Doom. That, that's Jason Aaron. That's him writing this. Hey, I'm going to show you. I know what Doom's all about. Well, hopefully yeah, you do. It's a, it's a character study of this one weird yeah, version yeah. of Doom. A and character I thought it was fine study it was. in the fourth or fifth issue of a story that hasn't even started. I don't need a character study here. I need a story. I need something going on where I say, oh, my God, it, it, how would you end up? What, what are you going to do when you're like, oh, man, how's this Avengers forever? Oh, get this. We found out doom is doom. Like, it, there's nothing I couldn't even explain to somebody to say you should get this. All I would say is that's eh, a bunch of multiversal nonsense. And they're, they're doing this. I need an overall story. And Jason Aaron never gives it. Like, uh, there's one one podcast to uh, Professor Allen, very into Dr. Doom okay. stuff. I would, I would tell him, hey, you want to see some, some crazy Doom stuff? Read this yeah. one. And, and then I he'd, think he'd say, well, it. why would I read number five of a series? Should I read the rest or whatever? You go, no, this just shows you this. And it just that's not what you just pointed out why it drives me nuts. I'm here for a series. I'm not here for a mm-hmm. one shot about doom when we have barely got anything going on overall even when you have what is the recap you don't even have anything to recap here when i read it it is just hey there's a lot of dooms let's see the main doom i mean what are we doing here at one point you even had where oh my god they're gonna go and they're not supposed to touch the 616 but they do kind of but don't and then they get away they go does he end up did he grab that i just don't get it i i just don't get why he keeps stringing us along in everything that he writes he ends up i mean i'm I'm even saying that the idea that we have the punisher at least that's a mini so he has to get you to the things but even that seems a little bit slower paced this guy is so long in the tooth of these stories but i, I just it drives me nuts yeah so i'm i'm a four with that and the art's okay it's just i know you know enough about doom and i barely know doom but i know 
you know, bad to the bone. That's all I need to know. Let's get to the story. Let's see how that interacts with everything Mephisto. This Avengers Prime leading up a team. What's happening? And and we just go and hey, look at the the Doom thing. Oh well. But we'll go to the next oh, issue. Well. I'll see what people say or whatnot, and I don't think many people even care. And that makes me like uh, kind of sad. The idea of they're like, oh. why is he yelling? This book's nonsense, and I don't care. I've not seen anybody in the past year say anything positive about the Avengers, Jason Aaron, or this book uh, since it started. But and I think it's also this was delayed a bit as well. So that's well, we're going to have a lot of that coming up. I don't know if you've seen some of the news stories, but I don't know if it's paper problems or publishing problems. But a lot of Marvel books are going to be substantially delayed. I think that the last issue of this came out a couple months ago. We haven't had mm-hmm. a you know and forever in a while. We've noticed as you look in the back of the books and they say, oh, here's what's coming out next. Things have been coming out out of order, and the dates listed in the book. Don't actually match up. And the Star Wars is great because you'll be reading it in May and it'll say coming up in February. <laughs> like, what's going on? Like, oh, my goodness. But yeah, there's been a bunch of delays throughout the deal. But again, this book, what does it matter if it's delayed? It's kind of there <laughs> doing its own nonsense thing. You know, but... Just as a one particular issue, not looking at the whole series, I thought this one issue. Was yeah, like I said, I, I don't need like it, it felt almost like a. Hey, a little twist on a recap, but I just at the end you have some moments that are like, oh my god, that's cool, that's that's clever. But they, again, it ends up being him doing what we, you know, say him and Donny Cates are having their fights of who can impress anybody more with origin stories and changing up stuff and whatnot. So with that, we'll go to the next book, which we have enjoyed. Hopefully, I enjoyed this. <laughs> like something this week uh, But what is it? This is Maestro World War M Part 3 The End of the Road Writer Peter David Artist Herman Peralta Colors by Jesus Abortov Lettered by VCs Ariana Mayer In the far future An embittered Hulk Now calling himself the Maestro Has claimed absolute rule Over the survivors Killing any human or superhuman Who dares to challenge him But what does a king do With enemies who just won't die? Maestro followed the Human Torch deep under the ocean to find an underwater city, Namor's stronghold Pacifica. Upon realizing that the Human Torch had allied with Namor against him, Maestro went on the offensive, successfully killing Namor's wife and son before being intercepted by the Abomination. Before Maestro could regain the upper hand, the Abomination, Namor, and the Human Torch were teleported out of Pacifica by another enemy of Maestro's, Dr. Doom. Yep, and so we get into this newer little letdown by the last issue this one's okay. And again, this is the yeah. difference between this and that Avengers Forever. This is a limited series. It's kind of a it's side going deal. Somewhere. Right. We know that there's only two more. This is a five part, right? Yeah, yeah. A five? Yeah. For some reason, I thought as I was reading this that I kept thinking it was the penultimate issue. I kept thinking it was number four. And I kept thinking, okay, no, no, we're going. I don't mind it. Yeah, there was a little. Like, there's a bit of a delay. There was no April issue in this one. There was one in March. And maybe and that then was the deal. The delay yeah. kind of threw me off with that. But yeah, we end up where all this stuff going on. I-, I like it. You end up having the minister that we know as Toro, and that even plays out here. Where yeah, that was one thing I was disappointed about last issue is we kind of left the whole Toro minister thing behind. And now we've come back to it. So I, I think that's cool. And we get Rick Jones in this. Yeah, Rick Jones, who's kind of. We thought he was totally losing his mind, but he's he's woken up a little bit. He kind of knows what's up. Yeah, I thought that actually there was one weird wonky line, but you end up where 
The minister's going out and he says he's got to look at the farmers of the wasteland. I'm thinking they're do farmers. The Skywalkers are there. You know, you have all that going on. <laughs> the power converters. This poor guy. Who's like taking him out? Oh, poor bastard! Oh my God, he's like, oh well, <laughs> you come to a minister like they're riding one of those hell dog deals, and oh. then, hey, uh, why are we out here anyway? Oh well, Maestro isn't around, so I have to check on these farmers. Man, farmers, what are they doing? Zappy, <laughs> like, we hardly Splat. knew you, buddy. His, his head's vaporized. I'm telling you, oh. I almost had him as the gem of the week. Just because oh, I felt, no. <laughs> just because I felt bad for the guy. At least he's a little inquisitive. Oh. I, I don't know why he doesn't understand. Yeah, it's like there's a Pruder film. It's oh my gross. god, it is. And he, you know, he's done. But you end up having the minister again. We know as Toro ends up being grabbed by Janice and the court, who take him to Rick Jones in this underground lair where we do see all the memorabilia, all the things, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. it's funny too because I really was worried at the beginning of this. That we were going to have some crazy deal of like a a social commentary of toxic nostalgia and things like that. Thank God we don't. It's just it's just Rick Jones likes the good old days and collects things because he's Rick Jones. We get some weird dialogue later about what does it mean to be a hero and a villain. I didn't I didn't care for that. But here I'm this this chat I like this where I love that uh, Rick Jones recognizes Minister as Toro right away. He hears three words. He recognizes his Brooklyn accent. I love that. That was good stuff. When the minister comes in and says, hey, quite the facility you have here. I was blindfolded when you're so civil. Why, why does he say that? Like, we don't need to know that. Like, That's a weird just thing so, to say. Yeah. It's just that we know that he doesn't know how to get there. But it's a weird way. It should have been True. Janice saying. Hey, we blindfold him. Don't worry, Rick. We blindfold him going in. It's just a weird Or one panel of him taking off the blindfold. It's weird. But he goes in and recognizes, oh, my God, I know who you are, Toro. Uh, Yeah, sidekick. And they don't know who it is. Toro? Who's that? Oh, he's the sidekick of the original Human Torch, the android hero. Okay. And he says, hey, can you flame on anymore? He's like, eh, no, it's tough. No little blue pills here in the future. He says, I work for the maestro. Yeah, because why are you doing that? And he's like, well, I kind of work for the guy preceding him which was hercules but he says i worked for him the guy before so i'm kind of there i kind of want him to go down i'm not down with him uh but i don't see how we can he's got no weaknesses he really doesn't have any so i'm just hoping something happens that maybe and he said i thought dr doom was the solution it doesn't seem like he is going to be that that. was that was the previous series with about Dr. Doom and it did not work out. They go, we go to Dr. Doom's castle where you do end up having human torch. You have emo, the abomination and also Namor as they're just hanging. And it is kind of a hanging issue here. Like you said, yes. Well, Namor is Namor is just drinking bottle after bottle of wine. Cause he just, he just saw his wife and kid get squished by an undersea monster, which, you know, that'll, that'll ruin your day. And, and I like the idea that, uh, Jim Hammond, the human choice, he has no idea that the abomination was any sort of villain. Jim Hammond seems pretty dumb through this issue. I mean, all over, I mean, he's overall, he's been dumb. He's the one who, you know, showed Hulk where Namor City was. So it's really Hammond's fault that the the family's dead. We, I mean, again, we thought it was a clever plan. We thought he was luring Hulk there on purpose, but no, he, he thought Hulk was dead and he just let him. So all this is going down. You end up having Namor a drunk because he lost his family. He's there sitting in the, you know, the dining room right next to the picture of Doom's mom as he ends they up point drinking that out. It. I don't know why they point that out. I guess it just was to show you like a, a family thing, like Doom himself lost his right. family. It seemed weird, but he's a drunk. 
yeah, Maestro comes out, and they're they're watching him. They actually have him on video watching him come out of the ocean. Doom has cameras everywhere, apparently, so they they know what Maestro's up to all the time. They can't do anything about it because he's so damn tough, but they know where he is. So, yeah, we see Maestro come out of the ocean. This seems to be the same place where we first saw uh, Blonsky early on. And he leaps himself home. You know, he stops by the Hulk Hollywood sign. Yeah, so he's... He's going to maybe go back to Alchem. His plan is to go back to Alchemax and maybe find something there to help him track down Doom. To, yeah, you know, because get he said he recognized he recognized the the uh, when the these characters right. beamed out. He recognized that energy signature as being something that Doom would do. So he thinks that he can go and find you know maybe something at Alchemax where it will lead him to go to Doom. It's funny because I really thought that at the beginning they said you know meanwhile in Latveria I was going to say to Maestro. Go to Latveria. That's usually where he is, but they don't say that. So No, he doesn't think of that for some reason. Yeah. If he's there, he's in a big castle. I mean, just go. But (laughs) with that, you have Emo. He gets upset, too, then, because he starts to think, you know what? I lost a lot of stuff, too. Him and Namor (laughs) start becoming drinking buddies. Yeah, so Emo goes for the vodka bottles and uh, Namor for the wine. And basically says, I love where he says to Namor, you think you lost it. You didn't lose everything. You lost your wife and kid, but you still have your kingdom. You still have, you know, Atlantis, all these things. I lost it. He's one-upping them. I lost everything. Uh-huh. I mean, I lost every. I don't have. And I think that he gets so drunk and so depressed. He's like, what am I doing here? Like, I don't have anything to live for, right? He's like, I want vengeance, but I forget why. I just know that I want vengeance. He even says, when I used to fight the Hulk all the time, I know that the Hulk wasn't the problem. It, he didn't cause my misery. But I just said he did so I could have something to punch and fight and whatnot. He doesn't have any purpose. He ends up where, in my mind, when he goes off, it's funny because it almost plays off as if it's a distraction before Namor. I think that he's like, man, I just want to die. He's suicide by Hulk. Oh, that's what that's what he does at the end. Yeah. And but it's weird that then Namor shows up because when. You end up having Namor disappears. Nobody they knows where he went. Off. I mean, I know Doom is not at his best here, but he just lets these people just kind of wander around his castle, drink all his stuff, and then just kind of wander off. And I guess they, they both get beamed places by his servant. I don't know why his servant is letting these people use Doom's devices. but And they it, ask him where Namor went. Where would Namor go? Eh, I don't know. He just said he was going somewhere. Oh, well, didn't no, he didn't ask. I didn't ask. Whatever he went. But then you see Emo go. In the meantime, you do see Maestro go back. Like we said, he comes yeah. out of the ocean. He, he says, I'm going to go to Alchemax. Dystopia City. Probably squishes about six people. I thought you were going to see that. They start yelling, hail Maestro. Shut up. I don't need that. That's why he needs a bath to, to get these people out from between his toes. He says, he goes back to my, to a minister, I want food, a bath, and a woman. And I'm thinking maybe maybe then another bath at the end. I don't know. Uh, maybe. And then he says, maybe, yeah. he says, uh, you know, I'm going to go in. I'm going to go down. Oh, why are you going to Alchemax? Minister is asking way too many questions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Hulk says, or Maestro Hulk gets a says. Little, su- little suspicious, but not Yeah, why are you asking? So I'm um, just concerned. You know what? I don't want to die. You know, we're worried about, yeah, like whatever. I just want to make sure. And the weird thing is. Where he says, I want to bath a woman, you know, and after that, I'll go to Alchemax. And he says, what's there at Alchemax? I want to see if there's something to enable me to find Doom. And then he's like, oh, what? What? Why are you asking these questions? He's like, well, I'm kind of worried that 
you know. This whole maestro going to Alchemex thing is a little artificial, but we need that to happen so that that's where they all meet up at the end. I do like this one panel where you see Minister and you see the reflection of Maestro in his shiny golden helmet. And he says, like I said, and actually when you have Maestro say, you have a lot of questions. He looks and it's like this look of like, maybe he's, but he seems like a friendly Mm -hmm. look. Like, oh, you're my buddy. And he says, I don't know who to trust. So he says, I don't know who my friends are. And then the minister might as well. Luckily, Maestro doesn't look around to see him. He's like almost cackling. I can sympathize. (laughs) And then, yeah, yeah, they go and. Really, what then happens is is that you're going to have the big fight between, you know, Abomination and Maestro mm-hmm. because Maestro does go to Alchemax and sees that portal deal and says, oh, well, I guess I got to figure oh, no. And all of a sudden it lights mm-hmm. up and Abomination comes out and says, oh, good. I get to fight you without finding you. Yeah, so he starts with a fight. So they start in the skyscraper. They spill out on the street. Again, probably squished six more people. And for a while, Blonsky's fighting back, but not very long. He just seems he wants to be killed by the Hulk because he's just, there's nothing left for him. Yeah, he says, I mean, even at the one point where Maestro says, I don't have to, you know, keep anything back. I can just destroy it. I'm no longer the Hulk. I'm Maestro. I don't have any rules. I'm going to do that. And you do have, abominations say you know what's this point of this just kill me then because this world is nothing it's not worth fighting for we don't have and again maestro's lost pretty much everything too and abomination says you know screw it i i don't care there's nothing to fight for while that's going on though you all of a sudden ba-boom and you even have Maestro looked back and says, holy crap. Yeah, we, we saw one quick scene. We saw Namor has this crazy horn, which is the horn of Proteus, which goes all the way back to Fantastic Four number four in 1962. You know, an old Stan and Jack thing. He's got this horn. He blows the horn. We see this giant eye open up. And it doesn't show us what it is, but if you know, if you read Fantastic Four back in the day, you know what the horn of Proteus does. And on this last page, we see here... Namor riding in as a tiny speck on the top of this giganto monster. Uh, basically, a huge, oversized, skyscraper-sized whale with big old teeth and also arms and legs. And the funny thing is, he yells his normal Imperious Rex as he's going to attack. That's his battle cry. And the funny thing mm-hmm. about that is when they recently have revealed what that means, what he means by that, and he ended up saying uh, against Thor, that it means that I'm going to kill you with the biggest shark that I can find. And it's kind of a funny play with this as well, <laughs> where it is like a whale shark and it's humongous with that, where it's going to attack, you know, Maestro. And you would get the idea that this might be able to take down Maestro. Right. It's kind of funny because this is really the same thing that Namor tried back in Pacifica, you know, call a big monster to fight him. It didn't work back then, but now this is a really big monster so maybe maybe he thinks this will work we'll see and and the art of the monster looks awesome and then you see the cover next week or next month it doesn't look so great on that cover you really, like, no. eh. but i really like the look of that like man thing type of monster shark whale it's, right it, i even like the way the tail doesn't look like a whale's tail or a shark tail it looks like a big old fish tail it's all these kind of crazy pieces squished together. It, it's nice. So Very we'll Jack see. And again, you have Namor who has already said he doesn't think he has anything to lose either. So he said, I already lost my family. That's all it meant. When you had Blonsky say, well, you have your kingdom. He said, it doesn't matter. Namor said without his family, he has nothing. So he doesn't care. So he's all out too. So we'll see 
how this goes, but it's pretty crazy. I like the look of just little Namor on the top of the head there, but I did it like this. It really gives a sense of scale. He's about as big as, you know, smaller than the, the thing's tiny little eye. Oh, yeah, yeah. So what would you give this? Yeah, I had a lot of fun with this. I enjoyed it. I thought it was back to form. We get the Toro conspiracy bit back back in front. So, yeah, I give this an 8.3 out of 10. Yeah, I think I'm going to go 8. I actually enjoyed this, and I, we like the series, and this gets it back. Like you said, it gets it back going. We have two more issues, so you have some things still to resolve. It looks like a big fight, at least for part of next issue, which should be pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, I like it, but we're going to go to the next and last book. It is Thor 24, 750, uh, legacy, something that we were starting to talk about last week and then ended up getting interrupted by the stupid software. But here we are back and we're going to do this. And there's a bunch of creative teams here. Mainly you have book and things with Donnie Cates and Nick Klein, the regular Thor run. You know, creative team where you are going to have the burial of Odin. Bookend, the frame story tells the continuation of what we've been seeing. That's you know that that same time frame where Odin's dead. We're going to have his funeral, and then at the funeral, Thor is going to read stories from the Book of Kings, and those are what those stories in between are. Which doesn't exactly make sense. No, but I okay. thought that if I was there, I'd be like, why am I hearing an origin of Beta Ray Bill and the program? I'm like, <laughs> or, what are we doing there? You know, or Loki hearing, why am I hearing about a thing I haven't done yet? Or maybe, <laughs> you know, why is that? Right. Why am I hearing a story of how a ghost of me is here right now? And then how are people <laughs> reacting to that story? Or also, some people are like, you really needed a book to tell your own tales here, there, <laughs> Thor? Like, what are you doing? It made me laugh an when you ended up having this going on and him making that anthology. I'm going to read from the Book of Kings and I'm going to tell you only the king can read from that. The bookend story, though, is the one that obviously we're going to move forward with, even with that Al Ewing little, you know, thing with that. I could have whatever you can give or take that. But by the end, we are going to get to the point where you find out why Odin is in the hammer. We thought it was just to give the Odin force so that you'd have Molnir to do something. It's a little bigger than that. Seems very Donny Cates. I saw some people even shaking their head oh, about it, rolling Donny their Cates. eyes. But his thing where he likes to take something that everyone knows about the mythology. But it's different than your thoughts. Like the hammer. Oh, the, the god of the hammer, he's not happy there. Or Thor's secret identity, well, he's gone crazy in this other weird dimension. Yeah, so with that, we'll get to that at the end. But when they tell these stories, you start out with a Beta Ray Bill deal, more of the Beta program versus the Alpha program by Walter Simonson. And you ended up mm-hmm. liking this. This story this, you liked yes, a lot. Yes, this was my favorite individual story of everything last week. So I really like this a lot. It's, it's, it tells about how Beta Ray Bill came about. And I think the art looks very different, but also really cool. Yeah, it's also the only uh, part of this issue not lettered by the same letterer. So he gets his like this one letter who likes to work with uh, uh, Walt Simons. And this is uh, John, Workman. John Workman, which gives another another look to it. We we uh, learn about how Beta Ray Bill was, you know, this, it's almost like a, a Superman Krypton idea, but instead of the planet's going to explode, the whole darn galaxy is going to explode. And so this race of people tries to create some hero. They kind of try to create their own Superman. And most of the volunteers all die in the process, but one of them survive and gets merged with this kind of uh, animal wolf DNA and gets these kind of cybernetic implants. And he's going to be their hero. But the thing is, we have two factions of the society. We have the kind of religious techno-priests 
and we have the military. So the techno priests had wanted this alpha project, which was more technology, more like a robot. But they said that, that's not going to work. It doesn't have enough of its own creativity, its own intelligence. So we're going to go on to this beta thing. But the techno priests don't want the beta thing because they've subverted the alpha one to kind of do their bidding. So they send Alpha off to kill Beta while he's still kind of recovering from all the surgery. And we get this battle. And as the battle is going on, we also see this conspiracy of the techno priests and what their plans are. And one thing I really love is I love any anything where the, the medium of the comics kind of does something that only comics can do. And we see that there's this kind of funny wiggle energy line connecting all the panels of this conspiracy. And a couple pages later, we see what this is, is those the information about that is inside this alpha robot. So when Beta Ray defeats Alpha, he downloads his information into himself, and that's what that line is. And now he knows about the conspiracy, and now he can go and break it up. Yeah, yeah. I ended up, I, I was kind of bored by it. And the idea of wow. getting this, I think it's just for fans of, Beta Ray Bill himself. And again, this whole is a celebration of Thor. But even the more I read it, the more I was bored by it and actually just reminds me of the old origin of, say, Doomsday, where you end up having this evolution of this person died to get this and we grafted this and we did that. And I I didn't find it as clever, exciting overall and got a little wonky, especially if you're going to go into this and want to know something about Beta Ray Bill. From this, so this is more for fans, I think, to fill in some spaces from before than to actually get new fans involved. Uh, yeah, again, we talked about this last week, and then everything failed. But yeah, I, it was okay. I, I this did not impress me that much. I thought the art was cool of an old I school deal. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I didn't really care. It's one of those. I didn't hate it, but I just it didn't impress me at all. I just all right, that's for Beta Ray Bill fans that want to know that, and let's move on. And that's kind of how I get with this whole entire issue. I ended right. up not thinking every, it was that great. Every story is a classic team, usually connecting something to their era. So like the next one is uh, Dan Jurgens, who's kind of linking back to his 1990s run. And in this one, Dan Jurgens does the art. It's, it's called The Seduction. Dan Jurgens does the art and the pencils. And he's in the original run, the, the penciler was John Romita Jr., so we can kind of see that this is Dan Jurgens kind of taking some of the style of the uh, the John Romita look. He does a good job of that. And in this, first of all, by the end, I don't even get Odin's plan, but this is to show Thor, you know, that he has to watch himself, that he can't get too full of himself. He ends up where he is doing something where he has the this superpower, you know, this armor that he ends up where he could be invincible. I, I did go and, back and, and read the story this leads out of. And the thing was he needed, he was fighting Mangog and he was losing. So Odin has these special weapons made, but you're only supposed to use these weapons. They're too powerful, only use them this once. And we see here Thor tempted to use them again to help save this robot called Recorder. It, I mean, at the end, we see Odin just brings, uses his own Odin force to bring Recorder back. I don't know why Odin didn't just say, hey, you don't need to use the weapons. I can do it myself. He's right. giving him a lesson the because yeah. the weird deal of it is he says you got to give up these pieces of armor. You can't use them. They end right. up, they, they corrupt you. And it is the belt of power, the shield of life and the gauntlet yeah, of it. tomorrow. And so he, Thor says, no, I, you're nonsense. I can use them. You don't think that I'm worthy enough. You don't think that I can 
fight off this deal. But to prove that, Odin ends up uh, tricking Thor in a way that really doesn't make any sense in my mind because he's trying to show him not to use these things. But then he ends up getting Balder to go down mm-hmm. disguised as man god. Well, then you you are going to attack. And he ends up at the end almost feeling like this should have been something where Thor himself right. thought that it was man god, but it was something from Thor that was doing it. As but it wasn't. Thor fights this fake man god, he can you can see his eyes getting darker and darker and being, you know kind of being corrupted by the power. You know, very Sith like sort of a thing. And just at the last moment. Uh, Odin stays his hand and says, "Look, you're about to kill Balder." Like, well, you made him look like yeah, Mangog. Yeah, you made him look like me. Mangog. I wouldn't. If you end up, he thinks it's Mangog. He's gonna attack Mangog. This doesn't mean like, oh my God, I I'm sorry, Balder. I should have seen it was you. There's nothing of that. It's look, that's Balder that you almost killed. I'd be so pissed. I'd be like, well, what are you doing? A Balder especially, I'd be like, Balder, like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Could I just give him a message? Yeah, I mean, it's so weird to almost get it so that you trick him into using them. Odin's plan is dumb. I think the art looks really nice. I think it's kind of cool the way it connects to that story. Because if you read that old story, we, we end one story with Recorder just completely messed up. And the next story, he's fine. So now in this story, we find out how he got repaired. That's the funny thing here is where then Thor says, you're right, I'll give up the goods. He could have just allowed even Thor to just bring back Recorder to shut it. But then Odin says, Odin Force, I can. Odin Force, activate. It is funny. It's like this idea of, you know, a lesson being learned. No, this is a story 100% of Odin being a complete jerk. Yeah, that's all it is. It's jerk Odin <laughs> yeah, trying to do Odin's something kind of that makes no damn sense. But we move on to the next deal, which is J. Michael Straczynski with art by Oliver Kopiel. It is the idea of Thor making a a will. And he ends up saying the one thing in here, hey, I want Balder to take over. I don't want to have a lot of nonsense if I die. And I want the humans to know that I thought that they were pretty keen. Because they evolve. I thought this was one of the weaker ones. It's not really a story. It's no. just Straczynski, you know, kind of letting himself do his thing. You yeah, know. it just seemed like something that it was just a little idea, and it is. Yeah, it was. It was bringing the artist back and and showing showing. Kind of, I thought the, the the idea of of Thor wanting to be buried in the storms of Saturn. Yeah, that was, that was, that was okay. a neat idea. Th- this lawyer, like, why is he at, like so many questions? This guy, like. He's just supposed to be taking notes. Oh, is that because you want to come back to life in the storms? Nah, I just like the the sound of the lightning and all that. (laughs) And then the big thing at the end is like, hey, I want people to understand, you know, how much I I like them. They evolve. They have such a little time in their life Mm -hmm. that they end up having to change. When you're like me or Loki, we don't change. We're stuck in our way because why change? It's just nothing. And then there's a weird hint about, oh, what if they don't understand? They will eventually, given what is coming. This is a writer who's not coming back to Thor as far as we know. So I don't know what he's not hinting at anything in particular. He's just wanting he needed to end the story somehow. Yeah, he's like, we'll see. Oh, well. All right. And then you move on to the next deal, which is Al Ewing setting up mm. this new book of his. And again, this doesn't even work in the framing of the story that well. No, not at all. To set up a Defenders Beyond 
number one with Loki, and I reading this, I don't want any parts of that. It, it, no, it sets up this crazy team. So the team is going to be so Doctor Strange from Beyond the Grave is sending a warning, and the team is going to be Blue Marvel, America Chavez, Galactus's mom, Tigra, and Loki. That's the team. All right. That's and we had that Defenders deal that he had where. That didn't even make complete because all of a sudden it was taking place while we were getting the death of Doctor Strange and not many people were dealing with that. I I remember seeing the sales. Not very good. So this even feels more wacky. This connects that and the Loki agent of Asgard is kind of what's tying together here. Neither of which uh, neither of which I read. So no, I neither know. did I. And I'm not really that I don't, concerned I don't know with these this characters. I don't know this this weird future realm that he's visiting. So I don't really have a connection to this. So I guess people who people who like those old Al Ewing stories, you're going to get some more. Yeah, and that Defenders deal, that just ended. So we're going to end up, you know, hey, let's go. But I, I didn't really care for this. So we end up moving. And again, like you said, we're not really involved. So it's a weird one. We get Jason Aaron then next. And this is more of, and it's a weird play here with that idea of just getting done. The big god of storms being in Molnir. And this kind of is like Jason Aaron. Well, I'm going to tell my version. It's still the same deal, but it's. Yes, this is another hammer story so this is like the the ancient or like the 1 million bc avengers basically i I think the only idea of this is to have this other writer with a different kind of colored pencil kind of style to it yeah this the art's okay though. das pastoris and i think that's the reason that this exists is to have this this different look and yeah it's just the idea is that the the hammer's not listening to odin is not doing what he says so he has to kill all these trolls or giants and they're all from by Jordan himself. Heim. They're they're and actually then, right. and then right when when he's going to kill the very last one, that's when the the hammer decides to go and take the last kill for yeah. itself. Yeah, and he's like, "Thanks yeah. a lot. You you didn't help me before, whatever." But and with that, you get a narration of the hammer. And with again, this is Jason Aaron kind of reiterating what we already got for months and months and months from Donny Cates. And I I swear it's Jason Aaron. Well, look, I'm going to go way back to say that it was really my day and it just ends up it felt like it was just recap of what we just got in the regular run from Danny Cage. So I it wasn't. It kind of feels like they needed another couple this is what like a five page story. It feels yeah, like they needed to fill from five pages. So they kind of called in an artist they wanted to be involved and they said, Hey Jason Aaron, write write me a, a half a script to make him give him excuse I was to write hoping something. we'd get more of maybe Jane Foster stuff in there. You see her in the one thing of like, hey, all the Thors or whatnot, but I thought maybe yeah, that, you that, could get that. that one, a we didn't really more. talk about it, but that one double page spread way at the beginning that shows the funeral procession. It, it's one of those cool panels where you can kind of zoom in and pick out all the characters, different Avengers in there, different Thor-based characters. Yeah, Lots it's of cool. cool I just, I, I wish that Jason Aaron might have done a little bit of a Jane Foster deal going, even if it's still the Valkyrie stuff current, or maybe showing something from before. But is, that is a funny thing to not have in here. It is. Yeah, yeah, and especially because you start with Beta Ray Bill, and then, like you said, you like that, but that even felt like. Everybody there at a funeral for Odin were like, hey, by the way, let me tell you about the beta project. (laughs) I don't know that this works well (laughs) at a funeral. But with that, we go back to the ending here, the Donny Cates deal where him and Nick Klein are doing that bookend deal. And this I did like. I I like the idea where they are sending Odin off to Valhalla. He's on his little boat type deal. Looks like a bed to me. Looks comfortable. And it goes and floats up from 
the Bifrost Bridge and they end up where Thor is supposed to shoot an arrow to light them. You know, the whole ceremony of this, they get a little in particular of exactly the arrow and the string, but it's, it's nice enough. And then what happens then is Thor, as he's going to do it, thinks to himself, this is bull crap. I, he knows that Odin is not passing on. He's already in the hammer and says, you know, this is nonsense. I'm going to give it to Loki. And I mm. thought that it was kind of fun. The idea yeah, where Loki's I, I like, what I are you doing? I didn't make that connection that that's why he was hesitating. But I guess that makes sense. Yeah, he says at one point, he says, I know that this is another thing. He says, you know, yeah, this all right. is a cruel joke. Another of it, my father's infamous test, some game, some riddle, some challenge, wisdom or whatever. And he says, no, I can't do this. And because it doesn't feel right to him, I think that this is nonsense. This is not real. It's not going to do anything. He already knows that his dad is already doing something. He doesn't know why he's in the hammer. He thinks that he's in the hammer just to yell and scream at him like he always does. It's a test or whatnot. But I like when he does give it and he's like, I can't. Here, Loki, you do it. Loki's like, really? I like that Loki sits there and goes, you just gave it to me because nobody can hit that shot. Like, you want me to look like a jerk. As Thor is hesitating, the funeral gets further and further away. That's so funny. I love that. And also where you have Thor say, and I guess this is big, but I don't know. It just in this funeral deal and this whole deal, I thought we were going to get a little more feels at this point. But Thor says, hey, Sif, anybody looking, anybody, anything going on? She's like, oh, everybody's watching. Oh, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. Odin was pretty big. No, no, no. They're watching you, Thor. And actually, they're targeting you. Right. We saw at the beginning, I mean, even like the Watchers there, there's even Celestials there. Yeah. And he says, you are this is now. the place to be. And Thor actually almost like badass deal of like, oh, let them do that because you know, they don't know what they're messing with. I'm the king, whatever. But you do see him. He's been hesitant as that king. And again, with Odin in the hammer, it almost is in my mind how I would play it. Like, you just can't accept me being right. king. You always have to be there because even after death, you find a way to finagle Still this. Hang I, around. I love where Loki then just like, oh God, I'm not going to be any close. This is ice and shoots it and he, it ends up hitting and it explodes. And then you get that, what Donnie Cates think is kind of a clever deal of like, oh my God, the second son of Asgard, where this explosion almost makes a second. It, it's kind of weird and wonky, but. You do have the idea where whoever does shoot this has to be the heir to the throne. And kind of Thor says, well, I'm already the king. So, yeah, you shoot. You can be right. the so deal. I'm changing the rule. The, the last king said something, but I'm the king now. I can change and it. Yeah, he's the king. So if, he, if you go by that, he could be saying, well, you're my heir now. So you can take it because it's the heir of the king, whatever. Even though earlier where uh, J. Michael Straczynski had already dissed Loki by saying that Balder is the guy who Thor would put on the, you know, small print. But even so there, all this, everybody, Volstagg, of course, is ready to drink. I mean, this guy has been ready to drink every step <laughs> of the way. He's like, all right, let's let's drink. Oh, Any my God. Excuse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and you have that idea. Okay, now Odin, there he is. We have a lot of names for him. But now he's in Valhalla searching for the empty cup and he'll do this. Thor knows it's a lie. He goes back to his room and then starts yelling at the hammer. And the ha- I love the idea that right when he gets in, Odin, really? You had Loki shoot that? That was nonsense. Like, what are you doing? You're a king. You're- this really feels like an, like an old sitcom idea, like like My Mother the Car. It is. Yeah, but- it's it's My Father the Hammer. And that, exactly. I love the idea where, <laughs> yeah, what does Odin think he's going to do? Because he's just a hammer. He's like, I'm going to get you boys. Like, really? I'm going to throw you against a wall. 
He starts abusing him, but breaks a mirror with him. Earlier, I did like the uh, when Loki's like, boy, you shouldn't do this. Like, Dad wouldn't want you to shoot this. And there are some nice moments throughout, even in the first part, where you do see Thor really bringing Loki into the, the idea. You know, me and Loki even says that Odin is like the juxtapositions of everything. He ends up being a real jerk. But actually took his you know, greatest enemy son and raised him as his own. All these things going on. But I do like when Loki's like, he wouldn't like this if he and and Thor goes, when did I care what he likes? Screw that. I Yeah, when when did you care what he likes? You're Loki. I really think that Thor did this also, and it's sad for Loki, but still the idea of yeah, I want to piss. I want to piss Odin off. I'm going to make him do this so that he can yell, and then I can th- I can throw him against Asgardian passive aggressive. And so here. yeah, so you end up having Thor say like, "Why can't you just leave? Why can't you just let me be me? Why can't I do anything without you yelling at me, right. saying it's wrong? I'm me. You're Odin. You're dead. Go to Valhalla. You've, you've, you've had your million years of yeah. Being leave me alone. Charge. And even while you're in charge, you just everything is me being wrong, me being the person who's there. He even says earlier, again, some nice dialogue. He would get banished all the time. Yeah, Odin would banish me, and I'd be pissed. I'd yell and scream, and but I always came back better. I always came back a better person, a better Thor, a better king. And but he just wants to be in his own. He's like, I don't need you. Plus, the idea is so funny. The idea that his dad, who he doesn't want to have trash talk him, is now mm-hmm. in a hammer that he can't get rid of. Even if he throws it, the damn thing comes, <laughs> comes back, back to him. And you're like, that's <laughs> the sitcom as well. Of like, I can't get rid of you. I, I would guess the idea is like, why do I have to be worthy now? I mean, please, can I be unworthy? What can I go do to make myself unworthy? Check check my internet browser history. I'm unworthy. Odin's there. He he seems to have watched the procession, but wasn't there. But I wish I could. I, I should have been there. You're a hammer. Stop it. You're just sitting there. Uh, but he says, you know, why aren't you going? Why? And he says, well, by the way, I'm not just here to, to kind of, you know, egg you on and kind of do some things. I tried to get to Valhalla. Valhalla is broken. The gate was broken, and Valhalla is gone. Nobody's there. And again, it, in fact, it looks just like the forge, just like the forge where Mjolnir was made, where we saw that everyone was dead. The place was messed up, except we don't see any corpses here. Well, there wouldn't be corpses because they're already dead. But the whole place is just empty. Kind of the benches are overturned. You know, the the door is broken. The gates are are, are unsealed, and it feels so much up. like a Donny Cates thing, though. I mean, it's it, it, the same old deal with the Donald Blake stuff in that pocket. Right. You almost think like when he sat down to to decide to do a Thor run, he kind of made a list. Of, okay, here's all the classic Thor elements, and I'm going to screw this one up, and I'm going to mess this one up, and I'm going to retcon this one. With this, this is a little. At least this isn't like I'm going to change. This is in the here and now. Oh my God, somebody has attacked Valhalla. They've broken through the gate, whatever. And it does lead to the banner of war. With all of that, what would you give this overall? I thought this was a success, successful anniversary commemorative kind of issue. It kind of takes all the old creators and all the old artists and lets them do their thing. So yeah, I, I think if you're a Thor reader and want to see some more of all those people, it's a good book. I give it an 8 out of 10. Yeah, I'm going to give it a 7. It's like I said, the the whole deal with the Beta Ray Bill, I thought that was a weird start to it because it kind of pulled me out saying, okay, this isn't really for you because I it really did nothing for me. I don't really, I like Beta Ray Bill enough, but I don't know enough for that to, 
you know, put a light bulb up and saying, oh, my God, that makes sense or that ties that in. And uh, then going forward, even the, you know, the will. And that's nice enough. This is a celebration. And the Ewing stories weren't really so much for me. But as a collection, I thought it worked. You kind of had to have them in there. It annoys me when you have something that's just an ad for something coming out later that's not even the Thor, it's a Loki thing. I would have rather have had something self-contained there that, you know, had a Loki story, not just, hey, Mm -hmm. by the way, we want to set something up here that is coming off as something that didn't sell well, so we're going to try to give it a boost here. But by the time it comes out, I don't know that people remember. You're more going to get that if you're an Al Ewing fan, I would say. But, yeah, seven overall. And the art. Is good throughout. You have those things going, even like you said, a Dan Jurgens aping a bit of the John Romita Jr. style, which is kind of a cool thing for him to do because I like his art in general anyway. And then he's able to say, okay, I did this with, you know, John Romita. So, you know, I'll do that. But yeah, I'll give it a seven. But what is your and book we don't of the usually week? see Jason Aaron do, or not to Jason, we don't usually see Dan Jurgens doing interiors these days. So it's kind of nice to see. But uh, what would you give your book of the week? My book of the week is Maestro number three. That is mine as well. We didn't have a ton of books this week and even adding the Thor in from last week uh, with that, but not a ton of books. Do you have a gem of the week? I do. My gem of the week is Rick Jones for remembering his old Brooklyn pal tour. You like that? I'm I'm going to actually go. Mine is going to be what I was going to use last week. I'm going to just go with Thor, even though I think he had underhanded, uh, you know, things that he was doing but i like that he let loki shoot the arrow <laughs> he's like loki come here you don't get the okay much. yeah here you go go ahead <laughs> I, I made the big speech you get to be part of this and team. even earlier when he was talking about loki and doing it in a way that seemed nice like he really did care for loki and really it's funny because really pointing out like the sadness of him and loki and leaving everybody else behind there so that's a gem to me uh what is your cover of the week my cover of the week is from definitely not your book of the week spider-man 2099 exodus alpha i thought that was a a pretty neat cover my cover of the week is the ben riley spider-man cover of both of those books we did on the patreon so if you want to go and listen to our reviews of those that spider-man 2099 book holy moly that spider-man 2099 drove me nuts that thing is the wonkiest dialogue but you know you can go over there patreon.com slash weird science i saw one review gave it a nine out of ten i saw nine out of ten i couldn't believe it holy moly who would Uh, do that i don't know but with (laughs) holy ah yeah go over to patreon.com slash weird science you can hear us talk and reveal who did that uh with that too then go to our website weird science marvel comics.com and our Instagram, Weird Science Comic. You can get all of that stuff and enjoy all the nonsense and go to our Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. Follow us. We'll follow you back. But that is it. <laughs> We're out of here. Uh, Jason, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, once you brought up that Spider-Man 9, 2099, I got upset <laughs> oh, forget again. forget about it. Oh, now it's gotten silly. Yeah, hopefully, though. Uh, yeah, we have Ruined some books that we enjoy. You liked it more than me. I did not like it at all. It was what it is. I don't know that we're even going to continue with it even. Maybe we will for a laugh. What do we say at the end of this podcast? We say have a great week. Week. Keep it weird. Weird. Go read comics. Go read comics. Go read comics. You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution.